Well, good day, everybody. Blessings to you. Pastor Tim Carscott here, Christian Center Shreveport again, doing our daily podcast. So glad you joined us. Well, the war is still raging. You have all these people groups. The question is, why are not other Middle Eastern countries helping out with the refugees in Israel? There's a reason behind it all. Let's talk about that and what it means prophetically. There will be no peace in thou nights until the Lord makes Jerusalem a praise. He has sworn it by his strength. Glad you joined us today. Welcome to our podcast again. So thankful for you. Uh, you've made it through the weekend. That's good. It's Monday. It is November 6, 2023. And as I record this from South Africa, I'm on my way home today. I'll be flying home today. So I want to do a couple last broadcasts from there. Have had an amazing time here. God's spirit on this nation. Of course, I love the South Africans. And of course, many of you uh, that are listening to this podcast in South Africa, by far, it is, other than America, it's the most listened country for our podcast and our live streams. Y'all are kind of our uh, Christian Center Shreveport south, south of the equator, down uh, uh, in the bottom part of Africa. And we love you guys. Thank you for supporting us. So many of you came up to me and said, I listen to podcasts. I watch your live streams. And I, I'm just undone. I, you just never know when you do this little 15-minute-a-day thing who it touches. And I hope it's helpful to you, each and every one of you. Well, Israel's still at war. Obviously, we're watching this. It's, uh, the incursion is going on. It's limited the news reports because they can't report it all. The pressure of nations for ceasefire and all that. We knew the support would start to deteriorate, and it is. America even bent this last week and was talking about a ceasefire. But uh, after uh, we went to Israel, our leaders did. They came back and said, no, keep it going. Uh, We're seeing some of the horrendous things that Hamas is doing. Uh, Now trying to sneak out their fighters and ambulances, uh, saying they're wounded and got to get them out. And, And even the Palestinian Authority, Abbas, has come out and spoken against them. Uh, so there's a crack of their solidarity among the Palestinians. It's obvious everybody realizes that Hamas really doesn't care about the people. Uh, when interviewed, they asked him, uh, why don't you have tunnels for your people? And he says, no, they're for us. Tunnels, uh, it's United Nations' responsibility to take care of the Palestinian people, which is a farce because they're the government. Those people voted for them to be their government. So you can't have it both ways, and it's it's collapsing and I guess the question is, and we'll talk about it. we put this uh, little video up on our pipeline page, but I want to play the audio of it, of why the Palestinian people, you know, you would think, okay, you got all these other countries who are Arabic, Muslim, why are they not wanting to take in these Palestinians? I mean, there's already a lot of them in Jordan, obviously, they're, and they're refugees in other countries. They're the one people group that's been refugees longer than any other people group 
in the world. Now, I recognize there are made up people, but they still uh, encapsulate them. And there's a reason, and we're starting to see that, the hiddenness of the reality of this group and what they represent. Now, there's some wonderful Christians that are called, that are considered themselves Palestinians. I'm not here speaking about them. And, and, and the people who are not involved or don't want this violence. And I'm talking about the people that this little audio will describe to you as to why other countries do not want them in their country. So listen to this, and then we're going to talk about why, what God is saying through all this prophetically. Why aren't more Arab countries in the Middle East taking in Palestinian refugees? The onset of a renewed war between Israel and Hamas has led to fears that millions of Palestinian people living in the Gaza Strip may be forced to become refugees. But despite the fact that Gaza shares a border with Egypt, the Egyptian government almost immediately ruled out any possibility of accepting Palestinian refugees. In fact, Egypt is currently constructing an even larger border wall with Gaza than the one it currently has in place. Now, many outside observers have asked why Egypt, a majority Arab and Islamic nation, would turn away the Palestinian people. And of course, many have pointed out that it may serve the political interests of many Arab nations to refuse to accept Palestinian refugees because it allows them to then blame Israel for any sort of humanitarian crisis that unfolds. But the thing is, historically, many Arab nations have accepted Palestinian refugees. And that may be why Egypt doesn't want to now. For example, in 1991, the Kuwaiti government actually expelled nearly 300,000 Palestinians in the aftermath of the first Gulf War. And this represented an astonishing 18% of Kuwait's entire population. So what was the reason? Well, the Palestinian Liberation Organization had actually supported Saddam Hussein's invasion of Kuwait a year earlier. And this support only grew after Iraq began attacking Israel with rockets throughout the war. After Kuwait's liberation, the government considered much of the Palestinian community to be complicit in the Iraqi occupation of their country. And in response, nearly all Palestinians were deported in just a few months. And this wasn't the first time something like this had happened. Decades earlier, the Palestinian groups operating in Jordan had come to openly call for the overthrow of Jordan's monarchy in the aftermath of the Six-Day War. At the time, the PLO maintained its own separate army on Jordanian soil and used that armed force to sow chaos. Armed gangs of PLO militants drove around the capital of Amman, robbing families and businesses in the name of collecting financial assistance for the ongoing war of attrition against Israel. When members of the Jordanian police and army tried to defend their citizens from these attacks, they were attacked and killed. The Palestinian political network operated as a state within a state, with militants repeatedly using Jordan to launch rockets into Israel. The Marxist-Leninist Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine even went so far as to hijack multiple planes diverting the flights to a Palestinian-controlled airfield in Jordan where the passengers were held hostage. By September 1970, the Jordanian army had finally had enough. A full-scale war with the PLO broke out, and after 10 months of fighting, the Palestinians were driven out of the country. Yet, as a parting gift, a Palestinian terrorist group known as Black September assassinated the Jordanian prime minister. Sadly, the story doesn't end there, because the PLO then moved into Lebanon, where they allied themselves with Marxist and socialist movements that were seeking to overthrow Lebanon's conservative Maronite Christian government. The presence of thousands of Palestinian militants flooding into the country completely destabilized Lebanon and plunged the entire nation into chaos. Less than four years after the PLO was expelled from Jordan, Lebanon found itself in the middle of one of the most bloody and chaotic civil wars in Middle Eastern history, from which it has never fully recovered. 
In short, Palestinian organizations have not just attacked Israel. They have sowed unrest in many of the neighboring Arab and Muslim countries as well, and this has led those governments to the conclusion that allowing for mass immigration or even just refugee camp resettlement within their borders would lead to domestic unrest for their own countries. And this, of course, only exacerbates the humanitarian crisis for those Palestinian non-combatants caught in the middle. The problem is, as long as terrorist organizations like Hamas and others are elected to represent the Palestinian people, their plight will most likely continue, as neither Israel nor apparently the surrounding Arab nations want to see their own populations threatened by terrorist groups. Now you see a, a different perspective, and I realize this is an ancient argument, and we can talk about it for a long time, and uh, there's others who would probably disagree with some of the things that that analyst said there, but it, it brings up some key points for us, which is that these people, especially the non-combatant ones, what he talked about, can you imagine what it's like to live in that environment, the fear, the threats? And this is the thing that happens. You see this in, in crime-ridden cities um, like Chicago, Illinois, when there's murders every night and shootings every night, and the police go in to investigate and the people will not tell them who's doing it, even though they know, because why? The retaliation of the gang members or the criminals uh, causes them not to speak out. So they live in a spirit of fear. And it's, it, this is the prophetic point here, is that I believe that, that, one, God wants to set them free. God wants to set the, those ones who don't want to be a part of this free. And the only way, listen to me, the only way out of this is salvation. It, there is no political solution. There's no government that can solve this problem. It's been going on for you know so long, and it's not going to change. What needs to happen is they need to have an encounter with the living God. And that's our prayer uh, Saturday evening uh, at our conference here at Arrow Gate in uh, Johannesburg. Uh, Bishop uh, Richard Hurd was speaking, and he began. He declared something in the spirit right during his sermon that the ISIS and Hamas and others and uh, groups like that that are radical uh, would. He believed. He prophesied almost that. I, I can't say I remember. He say prophesied, but he declared it that there would be salvation among them, dreams, encounters among the worst groups. The Taliban. He didn't say Hamas. He said Taliban. And 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 when he said that, I went into a vision. And I was in a cave in Afghanistan, and I saw a Taliban warrior fighter, and I saw him lay his weapon down and fall on his face as he met Yeshua, Hamashiach. He met his Messiah and gave his life to the Lord in this cave. And I told the bishop that. I said, I, I'm not making this up. I what I saw. And so this is what I think prophetically. You know, life has to get so hard on some of these people in order for them to break. Uh, I even saw a report of a woman who was injured uh, in Gaza from the war, and they caught her on camera screaming and blaming Hamas for it all. And of course, they 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 Hamas people began to put their hands over her mouth, trying to keep her quiet, but she kept screaming. This, you understand, this is where God can take what was meant for evil and turn it good. This, there's nothing good about war. But the evil that, that's there can be turned for good in the midst of this. So I'm asking you, our 318 company here, to pray that this would be the living encounter. 
I had a vision. I prophesied it uh, right as the war began. And I had a vision and I saw dreams and visions coming to those living in the land of Israel, both Jew and Arab, having encounters with the Holy Spirit. Look, the ultimate foundation of this war, the ultimate thing that God is doing, one is always redemptive. He wants to save souls. He wants to do that. Now, there are also those that are not going to be saved. They have no desire. This is a scary thought for him. And I shared this at the conference that I spoke at this weekend. This is the scariest thought. You know, when Jesus uh, was being attacked by the Pharisees, one of the things they said, it's by Beelzebub, he cast out Beelzebub. And Jesus rebuked them and said, that's not possible. Number one, a house to bite against itself can't stand. But he, he made a point here that you're saying, and, I, and I'm, I'm giving a synopsis of what Jesus was saying. He says, you're saying that the operation that I have to set people free is satanic. That's what they were saying. And he said, for this, it's blasphemy. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and it cannot be forgiven. And I want to say this to you. There are many of these Hamas and people like that who are saying Israel, the God of Israel, is Satan. The God of America is Satan. And that, I, you know, I don't judge blasphemy. The Lord does. But that is as close as you can come that borders on that. And it would make sense that God would empower somebody to destroy such a people because if they have done that, and I'm not here saying they have, then their soul is doomed to hell. And they have blasphemed, and it is unforgivable to say that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Jesus Christ, who is Jesus Christ, is satanic. You can't do that. And so this is what I mean about the prophetic significance. So as these people, uh, you know, other countries don't want them because they carry this, this problem everywhere they go, let's pray for the answer to this problem, which is Jesus. There is no other answer. None. The UN's not going to come up with the answer. Israel's not going to come up with the answer. Uh, Arab countries are not going to come up with the answer. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. This is a setup. God is in the midst of an awakening, a great awakening. This is the end time revival. They were the first. The Middle East was the first region in the world to have the gospel. Jesus brought it to Israel. They spread it to the surrounding regions and nations, and then it went around the world. They rejected it as a whole, and they were the first, and the Bible says the first shall be last. Let's pray. That's the significance of what I'm seeing is going on here. So let's pray for that. Will you agree with me? Father, as we begin to pray right now, these visions, these words we've gotten about these people, these most radicals having salvation encounters, we, Lord, we just speak it to the Taliban and beyond, or to ISIS, to these non-combative uh, Palestinians who need you, Lord, with all their heart. And even those that are combative, but they, they, don't, they, don't, they haven't given their soul over to Satan. I pray, God, that they would have an opportunity to come to salvation, Lord, raise up a people in this hour. God, this is a dark hour, but it can be an hour of light as we press forward in the name of Yeshua. Amen and amen. God bless you. Well, thanks for listening each and every day here on our Daddy Podcast from Christian Center Shreveport here in Louisiana. 
We'd love to hear from you. If you have any comments or you'd like to uh, ask for prayer or anything, you can go to our app for sure. We take prayer requests there. We pray for you. Don't forget, you can always write us an email, info at christiancentershreport.com. That's our website. And you can give there. You can find all that we're doing there. Our app is a more applicable place to go because we put more information on that as well as much media content as we can put up so that you'll have resources to navigate through this season. Thank you, each and every one of you, for sowing and praying and standing with us. And may God bless you and may his strength be upon you in the days ahead. Shalom, shalom. We'll see you tomorrow. Love you guys.